All right, all right, all right. I am ready, and I, I am definitely inspired. Uh, we're going to talk about one of the greatest voices of the 20th century, a woman who was equally comfortable in the contralto range down to a D below the staff as she was in a soprano range, a C above the staff. Oh yes, she had a wide range and she had control all the way through it, almost like an operatic singer. Now, if you are a jazz lover, you know I'm talking about none other than Sarah Vaughn. Of course, you may know her as Sassy, or just Sass, or in her later years, she was called the Divine One. She started her journey on this plane of existence in about 1924 uh, in uh, Newark, uh, New Jersey. She had a very stable upbringing in Newark. Uh, I think lived in a home on Brunswick Street her entire uh, childhood. Father Jake was a uh, carpenter and a guitar player, piano player. Mom was a seamstress who sang in the choir. They all went to the Mount Zion Baptist Church. Get that good old time religion. Get a little, 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 little rhythm in you and get some spirit on Sunday morning and sometimes on Wednesday and Thursday too. You know how it goes. Jake was a real religious fellow. Well, now, let's see here. Sarah, at a very early age, started listening to that devil's music, that pop music, and she fell in love with it. They don't say how that worked out with her parents, but it evidently it wasn't too bad because later on, at the peak of her career, when she owned a three-bedroom home uh, in Inglewood, New Jersey, uh, she gave the bottom two floors to her parents, and she just took the top floor for herself. So no matter what, they did bridge that gap between uh, the father's religious fervor and her love uh, of uh, this music we know as jazz. Uh, as a youngster, she went to Eastside High School which still stands in Newark. Yeah, that's right. And later she went to what they call Newark Arts High School in New Jersey. It's only known as Arts High. And that is what it was called when every great singer came through there, including Whitney Houston. Arts High, baby, that's where they all went and Sarah was the first. Now she also was a very accomplished pianist. Most people don't realize that she had perfect pitch. Uh, you could sing a note and she'd say exactly what it was and she would tell you also uh, whether it was sharp or flat. I have heard stories, just heard stories now, that her pitch acuity was so keen that she often traveled with a piano tuning kit if the piano was not perfectly in tune, she would get up there and tune it herself because she couldn't stand no out of tune music, not for her divine voice. And she needed to be sassy. And you can only be sassy when everything is perfect. And she made sure it was. Now due to her piano skills, the first time she went to the Apollo, she went to accompany some other young lady. 
And after checking it out for a couple of times and looking at the competition and saying, hmm, I can do this, she went back on her own. And this time she played piano for herself and she won. And that launched her journey. At 16, she walked away from arts high school, walked away and started singing professionally in the clubs around Newark and in New York. Oh yeah. She soon was discovered by uh, Earl Hines or Billy Eckstein. They, they, they argue about who, did, who discovered her. Uh, Billy Eckstein said he discovered her and took her to uh, Earl Hines. Earl Hines said, no, I discovered her. So all we know is she was so talented that both of them wanted to take credit for bringing her talent into the light. So she was doing gigs uh, with Heinz Band. And when uh, uh, Billy left to start his own band, uh, she went with him. And in that band was Dizzy and Bird and cats like that. And they were jamming, playing this new modern jazz thing. And uh, she did her first recordings uh, with uh, Billy Eckstein's band. Yeah. That's the way it went, you know, because she was, a, she, was a, she was a great singer. Everybody knew that. Now she got into the Heinz band uh, suddenly because he already had a girl singer, but as soon as he heard Sassy, he fired that young lady, and uh, Sassy became the female vocalist right alongside uh, Billy Eckstein. Later, Billy Eckstein takes his own band, and Sassy became the featured female singer with that band and did her very first recording. Later, in this bebop era, she is doing gigs at all the fine places. What fine places? Jazz club. Not, not big arenas and stuff like that. No, she had to get down and dirty, get into the grease, get that chitlin circuit thing going on. Not chitlins up north. I guess we'll call it uh, grease in the kitchen circuit. Uh, places like the Three Deuces. Uh, and the Onyx, yeah, she went to those places. Cafe Society, the only integrated club, I think I talked about that some time ago. That's where she cut her teeth, in those kinds of clubs. Uh, she met a guy named Threadwell, and at first they were just um, friends, and then they became more than just friends, <laughs> to quote a song. And later he became her manager and really helped her build her career. And now she's doing national tours and big houses and concert halls and all of this and recording contracts. And things are going really, really well until, uh, let's just say, people started looking at other people and so things weren't doing so well. But her career was doing great and he continued to manage her career until their personal relationship uh, soured to the point that they could not maintain that professional relationship. And uh, on the bounce off, she met some guy who we're not gonna talk about, we're not gonna name him, because he was not good for her. 
and he took over her career and she lost contracts with the big record companies and did some work with uh, smaller record companies and uh, let's just say he was a gambler, among other things. And by the time she discovered what scoundrel he was, uh, she was $150,000 in debt, lost her house to the IRS and everything. I mean, went all the way down and had to build herself up again, which she did. Good after all, she was sass. She was sassy. She was the divine one. She had that incredible voice and she had that drive and determination. So she kept going and in a small club in Vegas, she met a gentleman who just showered her with love and adoration. He even wrote poems for her. And before she knew it, she was involved in an interracial relationship. Yes, she did. And it was the healthiest, most enduring relationship. Rebuilt her career and rebuilt her fortunes. Big tours all over the world with Basie and Duke and jazz festivals and you name it, recording contracts here and there, just everything you could hope for. And he took care of the money too. Oh yeah, she became very, very, very wealthy again as well. This guy was true blue and he took care of Sassy, number one in his life. And that's what she needed. Um, she ended up recording with everything from symphony orchestras to small combos. She always had her own little uh, jazz trio, uh, big bands, you name it. Uh, Sass did it. Impeccable vocalist, impeccable sense of pitch and time, just wonderful control of her voice. Uh, what can you say? Um, the Divine One is probably the very best way uh, to describe her. Over her career, she was awarded four Grammys, including a Lifetime Achievement Award. And uh, National Education Association also gave her uh, Jazz uh, a Performance and Education Award as well. Um, she was truly the divine, sassy, Sarah Vaughn. Um, she did uh, become ill um, in her uh, late 60s, uh, retired uh, to her home uh, in California where um, she died uh, of cancer and was carried all the way back across the country to the Mount Zion Baptist Church where she had been baptized to be funeralized. So she started at Mount Zion Baptist and she made her exit at Mount Zion Baptist in Newark, New Jersey. 
And that is the journey of one of the greatest songbirds the world has ever known, the sassy, Miss Sass, the divine one, Sarah Vaughn. Thank you very much.